Imagine love as a rope that ties people to one another. It can bend, shift, and grow as we do. But what happens when the rope is torn? Do we sear the frayed edges in hate, or do we repair the damage with forgiveness? Why must I love my neighbor when hate is easier? Why must I show mercy when grudges hold more satisfaction? Why must I be the first to extend my hand when in the past I have been bitten? Monologue by Hannah McIntyre, writer and co-host of Graced with Questions. Bienvenido. Caribou. El Helen Bika. Juaning. Also, we'll say yo. Welcome to Graced with Questions, where we commune at the table of nations. No questions barred. We are Josh and Grace, your beloved hosts. Hello, everyone. Hey, 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 y'all. We are back. It is 2022. Can you guys believe it? It's 2022. I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) We, you guys probably can hear a different voice already. (laughs) It's 2022, guys, and and we are here. What a blessing. I I told you guys that I was going to take about um, January off, just the great podcast crew um, to just kind of reflect and think through what God was saying in the season. And as you guys know, last year, Josh and I were co-hosting together. Josh is coming back, but Josh is coming back along with some other friends. And so in this season, we decided that we are going to have just a powerful group of people join us, uh, about seven co-hosts. Um, so it won't just be me and Josh. It's going to be five other people joining us on the podcast at different times throughout the year. And we are excited. We wanted to get everybody in the room. We wanted to get the Gen Z, the millennial, the, is it the X Gen? What is the Gen other? Xers. The Gen Xers in the room. <laughs> and we the boomer. The boomer. <laughs> Do we have cameras? Oh, no. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but we might. I don't think we have a boomer. We might. Actually, we potentially. I'm, I'm a bad one. <laughs> uh, yes. We love you if you heard if you heard your name, Karen. Um, but no, we are really excited uh, with what's getting ready to take place. And this first episode, I get the privilege and the honor to invite uh, really someone who when we were praying about this, particularly about who we wanted to bring on board, we were very prayerful, and but also just thinking about the different voices that could provide different perspective. Phoebe Myers is uh, a woman of many talents, and, uh, you know, she is a millennial. I am a millennial. Right, she, right on that line, though. Right on the line. I've got the hipness of a Gen Zer. I would like to think. I think but. you're pretty hip. I mean, she dresses really hip, but she's also brilliant. And she's a woman of many talents. She um, brings, you know, a skill set of just knowing how people work. 
um, and knowing how organizations work and asking the difficult and tough questions of, um, of, of, of us, but also of those institutions and figuring out creative ways to make things better. Mm. That's I feel like I hope I am covering that well, Phoebs. Am I covering it? Yeah, I feel like that really that is that is my passion. Yeah. 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 How would you describe yourself? I think I would describe myself as somebody who is a deep question asker, a mm. problem solver, a very empathetic listener and translator, a lover of people and stories. Can you guys hear that? <laughs> you just went into a poetic <laughs> a poetic you know like a poetic stands and, and but that's how she talks you, you don't try to be that it is who you are no it just kind of comes out it does it comes out. and it's a beautiful thing and and we are just so excited to have just a co-host this year so you guys will be hearing Phoebe quite a bit I mean she'll be coming back uh, for multiple episodes and so be ready just sit down, grab your cup of tea. We have water here, uh, a coffee or whatever you want to have, and uh, we will launch into it. Uh, just to know that we are here to ride with you, to talk with you, to listen to you. Um, I feel like we have the mm-hmm. heart of, of people with us as we talk about this topic, but we wanted to make this season a season about the heart, mm-hmm. a season rooted in the heart. Um, last season, we focused a lot on, on the theory-based things, but this is we want to focus on the question itself, not just solutioning the question, really why the question needs to be asked, why these deep, thoughtful, sometimes very scary questions need to be asked of us, of each other, of our institutions. And so this season, be ready. Anchor yourself because we're coming up for the heart. <laughs> oh yeah, let's. We're just gonna jump right into right it. Right in. into the. Deep what end. are we talking about, thieves? What's, Today, what are we, we doing? We are tackling the just the very small question of why we love. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> just, you know, just Is getting it right small? into it. I don't think it's. Oh, small. not at all. Not at all. But it's and you know, there's not a. I think it's a question that. We'll have a lot of different answers for, mm. but a lot of different ponderings, but it's only through asking the hard questions and really wrestling with it mm. that then leads you to greater discovery. I mean, I just love that you said that it is the wrestling piece. And I think we wrestled as, mm-hmm. as we were preparing for yeah. this and, yeah. and, and thinking about why we love. Mm-hmm. Why, why was this question... Mm-hmm. on your heart like why did you feel like this this is where i want to start i think because love is used so frequently yeah in our society i mean yeah. i think there's been more, many moments where i have been triggered triggered in this season of my life where i have moments where i never thought i would feel moments of such anger and rage and mm. uh towards things and and pe- even people people yeah. that that i never thought that I would, I would be so, what may felt like unlovable people, even yeah. on, on moments. Um, and I thought to myself, how often is the church asking these questions? How often is the world asking these questions? Because we say all the time, love wins. And we talk about all of these things about love, but nobody's really willing 
to be unconditional about it when it triggers us. Mm-mm. No. I think that's where I was like, we can't solve anything else until we address the question of love. I mean, we, you know, you even have our our president, President Biden, running on a on a message of love like that. That is how how deep it is in our culture. Mm. But it's like, okay, what is what does love actually mean? And I think part of why it's so necessary and why we have to ask the question why is because it's so dang hard. (laughs) If you don't have the why, Mm -hmm. why? Why would you even love? Why would you even love? I mean, why is the question itself necessary? And I think we were pondering on the on the why do we need to even ask the question of why we love? Yeah. If we cannot address these questions of why we love, we cannot address anything else. Yeah. I think that was very clear to me. But also, it is not just this romanticized idea. Because I think we, we think about love and we think about it in such a, a monolith perspective. Oftentimes, yeah. the movies make us feel, and quote, the butterflies in our stomach. <laughs> or, or, you know, or we I see love a dog. me some butterflies. I'm not going to lie. Phoebe, I think you might be a hopeless romantic. <laughs> I think you I think that's I think that's your lane. I'm somewhere in between hopeless romantic, romantic. and then a, a, a and then cynic. <laughs> we still believe in romantic love. We do. Yes. Um but I yeah, I, I just feel like, you know, one thing that I, I think as I was writing this, I you know, pieces of it with Phoebe, I you know, I, I wrote it is our greatest desire and our greatest fear. Hmm. Yeah, that fear piece. Mm. What it means to truly be seen by someone and known by someone to have that level of vulnerability. Mm. I don't think that's something I often think about, honestly, is like, am I afraid to be loved? Wow. But yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow. That is, okay, expand on that for, for us. For yourself. For myself, yeah. I think that when when we look at love on a superficial level, it's often this kind of, you know, am I liked? Mm. But then when you go deeper, it's like, okay, when you're truly loving someone, it is a choice no matter what Mm. they have done. Mm. And to be able, for me, to be able to be vulnerable and be like, here here's, here are my insecurities. Here are my weakest moments. Here's my anger. Mm -hmm. And do you love me even still? That's not something we often, I think, feel by people. Wow. Mm. And it, it takes a certain level of the abandonment of your self-control. Yeah. Or control of yourself. To be able to say, I'm going to walk into this space, friendship. I'm going to walk into this, in, into this space and to open my heart to offer love or to be loved yeah. in that space. Yeah. Even with our adversaries. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that, right, is you said it's also our greatest desire. Mm-hmm. I think like deep down, I'm like, yes, I want people to see me for all that I am and Mm. choose me even still. So I guess the question then is, what is love? Right? Like, what is that, that kind of love? 
I mean, there there are a couple of places that we could go. So when we were reflecting on, you know, what is love? I love this scripture, by the way. I just want to say this. And, and Phoebe, you wrote this. You know, when the Bible talks about in First Corinthians mm-hmm. 13, 13. And, and for people who are not Christians, you know, this is probably one of the greatest pieces of the Bible when it says, you know, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of all of these is love. Mm-hmm. When it says, for God so loved the world. So it's like, what a perfect segue for us to access the question, what is love? And, you know, there's a couple of things that we were thinking about, you know, about in the sense of discovering what is love. And I, there is an interesting study that was published and it's been published multiple times that talks about uh, particularly that the first six months of a child's life is the most critical time in their life. Mm. That first six months of their life details what it's going to happen later on. So the attachment to their parents, the love they receive in those six moments, in those six months matters the most out of any time of your life. This is it. This is where your heart is cultivated. This is where you experience your first love. This is where you experience your first emotions. Hmm. And so when we say, what is love? There C.S. Lewis talks about this beautifully in his book which we will put some of this information, guys, in the show notes for you guys. He talks about the four types of love. The storge, the philia, the eros, and the agape. And then we're going to go through it, Phoebes, and we're going to talk about what does it look like to experience a storge love. What is a, what is a storge love? I mean, so y'all, when I actually started reading about this, I was, part of me was kind of amazed by how often we don't talk about the storge. Storge is the, is the parent's love in, in, in short. It is the love that is biological. It is the love that it is, it is rooted in who we are. So naturally when a child is born, when a person, a human, another human being is born, on the earth, the first thing that they experience, the, the first affection or emotion that they encounter is what scholars would say is the storge love. It is the parent's love. And let me pause here, Fee. Yes. Because, I mean, you were young when you probably, you probably had no idea you experienced storge love. Right, right. Like that study you mentioned, right? Yes. Like a child would not know in the first six months of their lives that this would change the rest of their life forever. For you, what does it mean when you hear about that that natural affection of what stuggy love means? Have you experienced that even growing up? Did you feel like almost like you were entitled to it, right? Did you feel like you were entitled to your parents' love growing up? You know, one of the interesting things, and this actually connects to the way, and we'll talk about this more later yeah. on in terms of God's love and the way that I like experience that mm. often comes from the way I experience my family's love. Mm. And I think at times growing up, you know, being told, you know, that I, 
needed to love my siblings, that I was loved by my parents. Mm -hmm. I was blessed to grow up in a family where that was said so often. Mm. But as at at times, um, I felt like, oh, of course they have to love me. They're my family. So Uh. love almost became this like watered down thing. A sense of obligation almost, which then translated Mm -hmm. into the way that I sought God. But it's through just a renewed relationship with with my parents um, that I'm able to both like look back now and just see the way that they poured out their love in such sacrificial ways mm. and also many times unconditional ways. And wow. I and also to be able to experience that as an adult too. It's so special. Because I was I was I was gonna say you said something interesting because yeah. you said it was like an obligation. You almost felt like for you, your family had to love you. What do you think made you think that way? It's like they had to love you. Isn't that fascinating? It is. Hearing it come out of my mouth, no. I'm like, huh. <laughs> you know, like your family had to love you. It's interesting because I think the Storgi love attaches strongly to the agape, which we'll get to here. But you talk about how for you, that love obviously has cultivated, even as you've matured as a person. Yeah. You know, it's kind of been natural for you to be able to experience that Stargate love yeah. without even knowing. Yeah. Because now, now I get tears in my eyes just thinking about the familial love I've been able to experience, that mm. Stargate love. Which makes me think... And let's pause here for a second because this makes me think about people who have not had the opportunity to experience, which is many human beings, many human beings on the earth have not had the opportunity to experience familial stargate love. Let's just take a moment, guys. How many children are in our world, foster systems, how many children are being abandoned? How many people are being born right now on the earth without a touch of a loved one? Yeah. Knowing what we know about the information, about the, this first six months of your life, determining how you receive love for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Those six months matter so much. I don't think we I don't think we oftentimes think about this guys. I mean, I think we go through our lives just kind of you know Phoebe talks about, you know, the obligation because they were they were her family. But it speaks to the larger point about the need for all of us to play a role mm. in love from the beginning of life. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, right, that makes me think of, well, then love was what we were made for. Okay, Phoebe. Just drop the mic. (laughs) If it, right, if it matters that much, if, if scientific study is showing that the love that you experience in those first six months matters Mm. so much Mm -hmm. your whole life, then it's like, oh, maybe love is what we were made for. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
You just left a lot there. Who's going to scoop it up? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let the pause. We'll let the pause. <laughs> Breathe it in. I mean, let's take a moment, y'all. I mean, love is what we were made for. How does that make you feel? I don't know. It makes me feel I'm getting chills, actually, yeah. Love is what we... And this is not some fluffy stuff because the reality is there are probably many of you guys out there who are listening to us who may not have had that moment of affection as a child. Yeah. And for the rest of your life, you've been questioning if you are worthy of love. You've been asking if I am loved, if I deserve to be loved. And so the question comes back to again, why we love? I'm not, we are not saying we are going to give you the answer. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Maybe not ever. (laughs) Maybe not ever. But it's to leave you continuously thinking about this. Think about it. That the first six months of our life determines such magnitude of how what we experience. Phoebe reminds us just a few seconds ago that we were made for love. Knowing that even before we were born, love was embedded in our creation. It was embedded in who we were. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I feel like I need to just sit in that for a just second. Sit in, yeah. And I think it's okay in this moment if you are feeling emotions come up and maybe even questioning. I don't remember ever as a child feeling this natural love coming off my, my parents or uh, your caretakers. Um, this is why there are people around the world who volunteer to go hold babies when they are first born Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because when a baby is first born she she or he needs to be attached to another human being's body those moments doctors know researchers know will forever impact how the child develops. Yeah. This is why we love. Because somebody's destiny, somebody's life depends on it, literally. Mm -hmm. That it has that much impact on another human life. On a human life. Yeah. I think, you know, even, and, and this is, you know, I think the graciousness of, of the Lord, at least in my own, Mm. you know, under my own faith and understanding is that even if you don't experience the love as a child, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about their four loves. Mm -hmm. And so they're, yeah. What is, what is the next, the next one one? that actually was gonna, I think this is, and even C.S. Lewis talks about it. It's called the philia love, the friend love. It is the love that is the most underrated love. It is the under-talked 
about love. It is the most understudied love because oftentimes when people talk about this, it, it can get people can go into uh, two women can be that close or a male and a female can be that close. So there's always something weird that society perceived when they think about filial love, especially one that is that involves depth and emotions and yeah and it's probably one of the loves but by the way this is not a biological thing it is not one that we are born to necessarily uh naturally you know uh prefer to say hey i'm gonna make a friend um you know just to experience love it is one that we choose to actually enter mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, it is a choice. You choose your friends. You choose your friends. Phoebe, can you, I mean, recall a moment, or maybe even now in your life, where friendship has played such a significant role in how you perceive love? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think of, I think of some of the friends that I had in college, specifically mm. the girls that I lived with in college. And the closeness of our friendship and the way, gosh, I just remember, I remember sitting on the floor with um, my college roommate and just crying together because mm. there, we were grieving the loss, mm. um, a big loss in my life and just being able to feel that kind of love and to feel her love that her love compelled her to cry with me. Mm. Um, and there were many moments when I did the same with her, that it was that kind of closeness that we were so, so moved by our like depth of, of mm. knowing the other person and our love for the other person mm-hmm. that, that we were moved to just be like to take on the emotions of that other person and to be a support mm. for that other person. I can see it in your eyes already. You just even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. There were just some really, really tender moments. Mm. And there were moments too. And I think this, this can be the real raw gift of friendship too. Like I, I remember a specific instance in which I, I made some decisions that really hurt one of the mm. girls I lived with, um, by, by not being honest with her, mm. by not taking into account her own feelings and emotions in the situation. And the feeling of having to be that seen by somebody and to know that I had hurt that person. And yet for her to still want to be in relationship with me and to still want to fight for that friendship. Mm. Like that stands out as such a clear moment that like friendship has the power to, to overcome, Mm -hmm. to overcome hurts. And, but we can only do that by the power of love. And the power of love that is not disordered. Yeah. That is not tainted by societal perceptions or norms about what is um, friendship supposed to look like. But I thank God that the Bible writes this so beautifully for us with Mary and Elizabeth, with Jonathan and David. These are all figures that even the world takes their friendship and tries to manipulate 
what are that actually meant. But the reality is all of those friendships made room for them to be fully themselves hmm. and to fully be, be called to their purpose. So if you look at the story of David and Jonathan, and this is not even something that we decided to talk about, but I just think about yeah. how the world has for so long, even taken that story and try to um, shift it, shift the narrative of what that relationship meant. No, but that was a, a two men who truly had admiration for each other and respect for each other. And because of that, and out of that mandate that they felt from God, they loved each other well. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't um, disordered in any form, shape, or way. It was just out of pure joy Yeah. for Jonathan to be willing to say, I'm going to sacrifice my life. Yeah. For my friend, and he he got into many situations where he could have been, die, you know, died. Yeah, yeah. For standing up for his friend, um, but he was willing to do so. One of the things that you just said really stood out to me, which was that 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 kind of friendship allows you to be fully yourself, mm-hmm. and I think. That is such an indication of what it feels like to truly receive a type of unconditional love. Yeah. To feel yourself not holding anything back um, and, and to feel like you are, are truly who you are meant to be. That's it. There's such freedom in that. And I think I asked the question back to you guys, even as Phoebe was sharing this. Do you feel like you can fully be yourself in your friendships? A friendship that does not require, I'm going to do this to get this. It is, I can fully be myself at all times of the day. I mean, there's been moments where I've been in friendships. Where this season actually has been, I think probably one of the reasons why I thought even this was is so important for me, because I've had to let a lot of friendship go in the season of my life. And some of them are very painful. I always say girlfriend breakups, y'all, are worse than me- are worse than for me. Uh, you know, romantic. If you're gonna go through a romantic breakup, I feel like they're the worst. You know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they are worse. Um, yeah. Because there's something about sisterhood mm-hmm. or brotherhood that when you connect with somebody, when you um, spend your life living with them. It can mark you. It can mark what you allow and who you allow in your life for the rest of your life. And so which takes me into Eros. The love that we're most well acquainted with in society. The The love that that we love love. to put on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like, woohoo, yes. (laughs) Really, the butterfly that Phoebe was talking about. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how many times... I feel like people talk about falling in and out of love so casually. Yeah. That itself for me is uh is mind blowing because of the level of 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 power, level of vulnerability, level of attention, level of giving yourself it takes to love another human being in that place, in that place of deep soul connection, which can translate in all of the other loves. 
but there's nothing like apart uh, well the last one and the first I try all of them <laughs> they're they're all so essential so right? essential you need all of them so essential but but I feel like romantic love has a way also of making somebody or breaking somebody hmm. it can take them into their purpose or take them behind out of their purpose love, this kind of love can make people lose their minds we've seen this or can make people become who they are called to be yeah yeah have you ever been in love grace I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> wow! We gotta give our listeners what they want. We're asking. We're asking the questions here. Wow! Have I ever been in love? I. I will say this. <laughs> She's laughing at butter. For sure, once. For sure, once. I have been there once. Um. If you know me, which anybody that knows me well will know that I am one that does not, uh, I don't create space for that in my life um, very easily. Um, and the one time that I did, it was what felt like one of the holiest moments of my life because of the person that it was with. And they were somebody who carried filial love beautifully. You know, he was a man who was a friend. And I think out of his character, he taught me a lot about what Eros love could be like in combination with filia, in combination with agape, which we'll get to here in a second. But yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to give you guys any more juice. This is enough. <laughs> In case, no, I don't know who listens to this podcast right now, but there's quite a few of you guys out there, growing audience. So let me not leave my juice. How about you, Phoebs? Yeah, just once. Just, just once. once. Yeah. 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 But I think that the reason why I asked <laughs> was because I think, you know, the way you described what it felt like, that it that it did feel mm. holy. Yeah. And I think that it kind of comes back to that question of, why we love right because mm -hmm. I think when I I know that when I you know felt in mm -hmm. love when I could say that I was like in love with a person mm -hmm. it did make me want to extend that kind of unconditional sacrificial to want to get to know them deeper and deeper mm -hmm. and actually like see all of them mm -hmm. and I think that that is that's the beauty of love too mm -hmm. is that it actually like pushes us into deeper friendship as you, yeah. indicated, but also into a deeper place of vulnerability and intimacy that we, that we crave as humans and can mm. be truly holy. And it's, you know, cause I know Phoebe and I can go along about some of this stuff because we're thinking about, I was thinking about even some of the consequences of entering into that yeah. And, and the fear around, you know, some of those pieces of it. But yeah, I mean, once is good enough. For <laughs> agreed. Agreed. I will not let any more stuff drop on the nuggets for y'all to pick up tonight. This is good. 
And lastly, we have agape. Phoebes, what's agape love in your own words? In my own words, agape love is is love without without any conditions, without needing anything in return. The type mm. of love where you are the freest version mm. of yourself. Oh. The type of love that that makes you want to dance and cry at the same time. Wow. Because it is so overwhelming to be able to feel truly known. Right. And also truly loved. Mm. But that kind of love. Where do we get it from? Because it's not something that that I can offer. <laughs> I sure can, even if I tried. <laughs> yeah, that kind of love, and I think you know this. This is the place. This is where our heart is coming from. Mm-hmm. Is being able to have experienced that kind of love that we believe only comes. Mm-hmm from knowing the Lord and knowing the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, Phoebe, because I think you nailed it beautifully because it is it is the only love that allows for all of the other loves to exist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, you. how can you love somebody well? How can you love your friend well? How can you love your child well? How can you love your partner well when you have not experienced the purest form of that love mm-hmm. that is not adulterated, that is not has strings attached and um, that is not disordered in any form, shape or way. That is not cultivated by our um, our own brokenness. It is not limited by our own conceptions of love it is not limited by our pain um if anything it it absorbs all of that mm. and and releases the holiest form of it it's interesting because i feel like in society a lot of times um we talk about the the family love, the romantic love, the friendship love mm. coming that it can only come from a place of self-love. Yeah. Right? There's there's oh, a huge there. emphasis on loving yourself. Mm. And I would say that there is something so true about that, right? There mm-hmm. is something true about yeah. that. But for me, the only way in which I have been able to love myself mm-hmm. is by knowing that I am loved. I can't generate that kind of love. So I can't generate that kind of love for myself. Mm-mm. Self-love is only possible if you know that you are loved. Mm. It can only it can only come out of a place of knowing you are loved. And so I I think that I'm like, ooh, culture is on to something, but it's not fully there yet. You know, come it's on, it's girl. missing that piece where I'm like, yes, mm. it does have to come. It does have to be an outpouring of something mm. that that is is coming from you, but it's not coming from you because it's a power that is not your own. Oh, chills. Chills. I mean, seriously. And I think it's beautiful that you just I mean, you just laid it out. 
because I don't think we realize that even with all of the loves, it, it is dependent on another human being mm-hmm. having to have it together. Like if your parents were jacked up, messed up, your whole life was predicated on on on, on that on that behavior, right? Not the person, the behavior. But with God, with Christ, there is in his sovereignty, in his in his in his vastness, love is overflowing. It is who he is. Yeah. He cannot not be love. It is the very thing that got him to the cross. It is the very thing that got him to the earth. The very thing that told the woman, the prostitute, how much she was loved. It was the very thing that told the thief on the cross how much he was loved. It was the very thing that told the outcast how much they were loved. It was the very thing that even told the Pharisee how much he was loved. And for those listening to this who do not come from a Christian background and aren't familiar with those stories, all of those different instances Grace just mentioned are things Mm. that just compel us so much to the person of Jesus, because those, those are the examples in the Bible of how Jesus lived. It is, it is the greatest. I feel like one of the greatest, I mean, reading, reading those stories for me have shifted how I love, how I let love in and how I receive love. Because when it comes to the basis of why we do this, why do we love? Oftentimes we think we have to get to do. Like somebody has to give it to me and then I will give it back to you. You know, somebody have to do it so that I can feel like I can now give you. Okay, if your friend did you wrong, your love then is restricted. If your spouse did you wrong, that love is restricted. I love that even studies have shown over and over again that we are better, not when we just give, not when we just receive love. We are actually happier when we actually give love. When we give is when we are actually better human beings, when we are in our best places. And so the reality is, it is not just important, guys, to receive love. It's actually important to equally give it back because that's the only way we actually function in a much more healthier space. Because we talk about this self-love and and, we, and the, you guys, I just want to caution us because I think this is what the culture sometimes we sh- we've made idols of ourselves, meaning we've made ourselves the solution, the answer to our problems. We can live in isolation. We've, we can do that life, even, even, even the research, that we can live in a place where it's just me, I, and my people, it must be extended. It must, it must reach beyond who we are. And that's what the, the receiving part, it's not just enough. It is the giving part must be equally important. Yeah, yeah. That reminded me, can I, can I read a Please. quote from, uh, from Richard Rohr? And we'll link, we'll link some of the stuff that we, we reference so that you guys can, can go back. Um, but he's talking about this kind of agape love. Um, and he says, when we live out of this truth of love, instead of the lie and human emotion of fear, 
we will at last begin to live. Love is always letting go of a fear. We have become very proficient at justifying our fears and avoiding simple love. The world will always teach us to fear. Jesus will always command us to love. And when we seek the spiritual good of another, we at last forget our fears in ourselves. Mm. And I think that's why, you know, with what you just referenced about the people who give love are experiencing Mm. the most happiness. That's why. That's why. Because when we when we get to the end of ourselves and we overcome that fear, that is when we experience the fullest of life. Mm. And so I love that you said that, uh, Phoebe. I just love that you just called us into that space. That it is kind of a revolving door. Everything is predicated on it. Everything that we do, everything that we we live out of, the why we love is predicated on this revolving door. Mm. It's like you can't, you can't, you can't close the door to one and live a full life. You must be willing to be part of that cycle of love. I mean, this is not some fluffy stuff, and we we will get into the hard parts of this in the series. Yeah, more is coming. More is coming. This is just the foundation. This is just the foundation. We just wanted to explore the why, yeah. the why piece, and so now we come back to. God's love, thieves, and it, it's important to come back to why that is so essential to who we are, mm-hmm. and why it is important for us to continue to not just talk about love, to not just say why we love, but why God's love is a must. Yeah, it is a must. It is. It is quintessential. This agape love, it is quintessential to our very core, to our very being. It is not this just universal idea. It is the enactment of God on the earth to the person of Christ. It is mm. him on the earth that says it is not enough for me to just be this theoretical idea. It is important for me to be here and among you. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was a person. A whole person. And and a person whose love we can know. Mm-hmm. We can truly know. We can truly know. Not just from a theoretical perspective, mm. from a historical perspective. From a real perspective, he was a person that even history speaks of it over and over again. And it's unmatched. Yeah, it's it's experiential. Mm-hmm. It's experiential. I think, you know, there is something about the intellectual component of understanding what is love. Yeah. And I think the description of the four loves and the idea of disordered love, all of those things are so helpful for understanding. But when when love fully comes together, for for me, it's an experiential thing. Mm. Like I, I think about moments in which I have, you know, felt like, why you know, why am I struggling with this? Or why do I not feel like I, like I am changing it all as a person, becoming a quote, better person. And it's only through the experience of love that I think Mm. I have found transformation in my own life. Mm. I feel like that has been 
then what I would say my journey over the past couple of years has been is that experiential love, that basking in the love, the understanding mm. what the love of Jesus truly does, what it what it means and how impactful it is to be like, mm. I am truly known, I am seen, yes. and I am loved. And it's real. And it's real. And it's felt. Yeah. And it impacts the way we see the people around us too. And it's interesting because I just had this thought and I thought to myself as you were speaking, if there is no failure, if there is no stargate, if there is no eros, agape will always be enough. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I just got, just thought myself, that will always be enough. Yeah. It is, it is, it is that God in his, his entirety. And when I think about it, it's not just this for me, it's, it's, I'm, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because I, I recognize that there's been many more moments of my life where pain was real whether it was through health, whether it was through loss, whether it was through brokenness, for me, that that agape love shows up over and over and over again, knocking at the door of my heart. Mm. Says, let me come in. Let me sit with you. Let me have a drink with you. Not a little drink, y'all. But let me have a drink with you over this moment of pain, over this moment of joy, over this moment of heartbreak, over this moment of loss, let me come sit at the table. When you were saying knocking at the door, I kept thinking, oh, this love is persistent. It is a love that persists, mm. that, that continually pursues. And, and what a gift that is mm -hmm. to, to not have to seek this kind of love, but to know that it is there right yes. outside the door. It is the love that only truly completes. Yeah. It doesn't leave room for incompleteness. Right? Because mm -hmm. our friends can complete us. When we do that, we put a burden on a human being to fulfill an impossible mandate. Yeah. And we know romantic love can't complete us. Then <laughs> they're done that. I like how we went from serious moment. <laughs> you gotta we gotta fix it up. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay, so we just want to end this part by saying <laughs> love is manifesting itself in laughter. It is, right? We have right. to. I mean, I also like how we're like in these deep thoughts and then <laughs> the last question that we have of ourselves and for you yeah. has love won? Society always says love wins. Has love really won? In some sense, yes, it's easy to see, depending on where you are, who you are with, the communities you are with. 
But all of those are even situational moments. They are moments where, where we experience euphoria. And there's moments where we feel like love have won. But my question is, has love really won? And maybe our job is not to answer all of that fully right now. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think you're going to get into that a little bit more yeah. in the future sessions to come. But I think... You know, what is interesting is that there are so many models, too, mm-hmm. in in the world right now of of love overcoming. Yeah. And that is a hopeful thing. Oh. That is a really hopeful thing. Um, I know that for me recently, I've been spending a lot of time um, researching some of the stuff that's happening in the depolarization spaces and organizations that are working to bring together people on completely different, you know, sides who disagree about so many different things. Mm. And, and some of the stories that exist about people who's, who, whose lives and experiences are so different coming together, Mm. like those models are beautiful and they're hopeful. And I think they give us a human example Mm -hmm. of the power of love. Mm -hmm. But then the bigger question is, has love, has love truly overcome? Because there's still so, there's still so much hurt. Yeah. There's still so much pain. I love that. Has love truly overcome? Let's just leave it right there. We'll let you all ponder that. Has I'm going to be pondering it. Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, has love truly overcome? Looking at what we are standing in right now, in 2022, has love truly overcome? I'd like to say yes to some extent, but I'll leave it right there because I have my ideas. <laughs> and Phoebe has her. And I've got a few of my own. Ideas. They may or may not be the same. They may not. <laughs> Either way, we're going to come back on this three-part series. In the next one, we'll talk about if love is possible with rejection. Mm. Oof. And so thank you guys for being with us. Um, we left with questions for ourselves, and I think it's to ponder on about why we love. I think that's the power of the series. That's one of the things that really excites me mm-hmm. about what is to come over the next couple of episodes mm-hmm. and why I'm so grateful to be a part too is like we we have to we have to keep wrestling with those questions. We have to mm-hmm. be able to sit too in in the space that those questions allow. And mm-hmm. and I think that, that that's what this is doing. You ended it beautifully. I have no more to say. And as you guys know, at Grace with Questions, we always say it is the place where the Spirit of God lives in you and I. Lives in all of us. And He's continuously working through all of us. We are not perfect by any means. We're just a beautiful art in process. And so, guys, we love you guys. It's been lovely. Your co-host, Grace and Phoebes. Well, I call her Phoebes. We'll see you guys next time. Okay. (laughs) You can call her Phoebes. Much love, y'all. Cheers. As you reflect on the things that we have shared today, on this episode, our question for you 
is that if you had another opportunity to love someone again, friend, neighbor, family member, or a partner, what would you do differently? How would you love them differently this time around if God gave you another opportunity to do it over again? Graced with Questions was edited by guest editors Quentin Thomas, Trish Thornton, and Chiang. You can find our work on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you would love to follow us, which we highly encourage, follow us on our IG page, Graced with Questions as well as on our Facebook page, Graced With Questions. Thank you again for your lovely support and make sure to leave us a review and also rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much. We love you and we hope your day continues to be filled with so much joy. Cheers.